Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And remember how last week I was like, I wonder if, if sorry, I was about to say Criminal Minds, if Wire in the Blood could do episodes as good as episode 403, or if this was like some kind of a unique thing. Uh, yeah, they pulled it off right away. <laughs> and this is a tighter episode. It is. Easier to understand yep. from beginning to end. Yeah. And uh, it is, and it is, the thing about the last one is, and I love it because of how good a job it does of talking about some really difficult, really interesting stuff. But at the end of the day, that is just a police procedural with a weird serial killer. Okay. And it gives us insight into like really important insight into Tony and how he sees the world and what religion means to him. And it's like, it's full of fascinating, really interesting stuff. But at the core, it is not a story that is about Tony. No. And this week is every bit as good, but it is 100% about Tony. And it is amazing. Yeah, it is. Like, I am having to divorce myself from the books and yeah. the... Um, the TV movies. And I, I completely understand that, like, this is the point at which, okay, the TV show, he's a complete, he is completely his own character, and it's every bit as good as what's going on in the book. He's just very books. different. Yeah, which is a very different, a different thing. Like the, um, well, because to a certain extent, the we... books, it is, it is the Tony Hill and Carol Jordan mysteries. It is yeah. every bit as much. A story about the two of them having a folie de in crime solving as it is about Tony's character. Whereas here, it really does have to be about Tony now that Carol's left. And they managed to figure out how to do that. Uh, yeah. And it is, it is, there was only one point where I went, boy, does that ever pull, move away from from the, the Tony in the books. I can't but wait to hear what it, it was. Okay, I'll tell you about it after when we get there. Yeah. As we, get. we will discuss. No, not even when oh, we not get even, Okay. Cause it'll come up when I go to read all the books. Right. Yes. When you, when you read all the books, I'll you see know, it. It, it, it's very interesting. I'm still just on the first, first one. Yeah. And not, you know, I'm reading it before I fall asleep. Well, okay. 10 minutes in, I'm falling asleep. So it's taking me longer okay. than. So, reason. Let's let's start with this ep uh, start of this episode, this which episode is Tony in this frigging episode. okay. Yeah. We want to talk about how genius the writers are at understanding Tony now, right? Yeah. Because what they need is they need for this episode to work. They need a case that is haunted Tony. Yeah. And when you look at all the stuff Tony has been through, how could something still be haunting him? Like one case, and they're like, oh, because uh, this isn't about someone who got murdered. This is someone who was beaten into a coma and has been in a living death and trapped there all this time yeah and yeah that would haunt tony someone still being alive and losing their brain function and just becoming a thing i see how this would haunt tony because what for whatever reason her parents are not have kept her to die yeah they have not allowed they have kept her on the feeding tubes because every part of her system works all of the like, all of the involuntarily proce involuntary processes of her body work fine. So as long as you keep feeding her, she will be alive indefinitely. And her parents have kept her alive for ten years. 
Yeah. And you see why this has gotten to Tony because Tony's entire thing is it is the mind experiencing the world that makes life worth living. Yeah. And so in a way he thinks that what this man did to this woman is worse than killing her. Yep. And that is the subtext under all of his actions and everything he says and does in the episode is that core belief of his. And I'm like, damn it. They found a way to make it more powerful. Yeah. And we, and we, not only that, but, uh, so uh, the way they begin it. Oh my God. With Tony having the uh, falling dream. Yep. Uh, his suicide dream. Yeah. And a voice telling him not to kill himself. Ooh, that's, that's so powerful. And it sounds like Alex. Yep. The voice. voice telling him not yeah. to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, it's such a powerful opening because we go straight there. You know, we find out about this woman and we go to the, uh, the parole hearing where the guy says every right thing possible. Yes. And it's, it's an, it's an incredibly powerful, it's a brilliant performance by this actor, right? Talking about, and it's like the steps of like constantly, uh, you know, sending letters to the victim's parents. And it's like them wanting me dead nonetheless. And like, but I I still, and I'm crying and he cries. And it's like, I, I can never make up for the things I did. And, and you're like, this is so good. And Tony's just absolute. And his Tony turning to the board and his doctor coming in and saying that I have spent hundreds of hours with this man. And I believe, you know, that he has changed and I believe that he has learned and he's not the man he was. And Tony saying he is a planner. He is a guy who thought about his crime and obsessed over his crime for committed. And you've given him 10 years to prepare for this hearing. Well, no, it's not only that, because he started, as the other doctor said. Yeah. Well, of course, and he's been studying like they they all go back to school. And of course, he's studying psychology and Tony's going, oh, not another bloody psychology. I know, because he's just been through this with their version of the Yorkshire Ripper slash Peter. What's his name? Peter Unterweger. Yeah, they're all going and getting degrees in psychology so that they know how to so they know how to trick the parole board. So they know. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. And um. So it's just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. it is, it is, um, you know, and his, his shrink is there and, and one more time and, yeah. you know, and, and then makes that weird. And then Tony, okay. Yeah. And as you said, Tony just says, oh, come on, this is my opinion. And he did it and the he rest of it. He'll and then. It and then this this other psychologist, his psychiatrist, psychologist, yeah, who's yeah. been doing it for free. He does his prison work for free. Yep. And that, by the way, and the way we're introduced in that line, it's like, oh, he's a celebrity psychologist. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who writes books about his cases and likes the attention. You're like, doesn't Tony do that? I think we know that Tony doesn't like the attention. I think we know that Tony writes books because it is a requirement to keep tenure. Yeah. And because he needs the money. And because then, as we've already found out, his books are rather boring. <laughs> they really are. It's not the same thing. He doesn't do popular. Popular. Yeah. Popular. No, he writes yeah. stuff for 
he writes stuff yeah. for academics and then like his publisher because he is a minor celebrity who solves crimes his publisher wants to sell them as popular books but he refuses to write them as popular books yeah yeah no tony tony is not yes you can say tony profits from books and profits from his cases but he's not this character you know he is not let me put it this I, I was about to do a drive by of criminal minds but i won't you know cuz we're going to be talking about criminal minds soon enough well you know and everybody who's listened to our podcasts know who you're going to do the drive by yes on. knows knows the knows our feelings about the character i'm talking about okay so um and it's not Shamar Moore, okay? Oh, no, no, it's not Shamar Moore. It's not Moore. Derek, so don't... Der Derek's a bad dude, but there's a worse dude on that team. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so to go back, so but then this guy says, yeah, but you know, it's almost like there's a psychologist talking in his head. Yep. You know? Ooh. And that's a real problem. Yep. Because he says that essentially that there's two personalities in there. There's the guy who regrets what he did, and then there's the psychologist in his head using these terms for the awful things he did. And, and of course, plants this idea in Tony, this mo this moat of self doubt. Yes, even though Tony knows, right? Yeah. Even though Tony knows that, no, this guy did it. Yeah. And he didn't plant. And this this celebrity psychologist only came in after, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Years and years and years later. And plus, the guy has been studying psychology. Yeah. So it's like, gosh, I wonder who the psychologist. And, and, and I mean, obviously, we're meant to interpret. And what is going on, spoiler alert, is uh, the, the awful things in his head are the real guy. And the victim is the fake thing that he puts on for the psychologist. He's just very good at it. And this psychologist, who thinks of himself as a hypnotist first, is the bad psychologist. The killer is better at his job than his doctor is. Well, yeah, you're you're kind of spoiling it, sort of. I mean, people hopefully have seen this by now. But I think you know enough to say that when we watch this episode, Tony is not going to be proven wrong. This guy is going to be a bad guy, and you know it from the start, but you know the show does not tip its hat. No, and it, it it is very, like, you don't like him. No. Okay, in the show. No. Um, and you think he's too full of himself, and you know he's got to be wrong, and Tony's got to be right. But you don't, the, the evidence is so good. Yeah, and... You know, uh, it it's um, but he's also careless. He's a yeah. careless because mm -hmm. he just can't think. And here's the problem: it's always this problem of you think that you can't be wrong. Yeah. Now Tony is full of self doubt. This guy hangs everything on he can't be wrong. Yeah. It's In many ways, he is the opposite of Tony. He is a man who ha never questions himself. And Tony can't and go a day without questioning himself. Yeah, the decisions he makes, it's really yeah. weird. Oh, absolutely. He never, he never questions. Well, we'll get to that because what, you know, because we sort of have to go along. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, spoiler alert, 
because it was really well written yeah. and it oh, it's incredibly well written. We're not going to jump around this week because the pacing yeah. and the emotional journey Tony goes on is yeah. so central to the story. Yeah. So let's not talk about the bad, bad psychologist, hypnotist Just yet. Yeah. Hypnotherapist. Hypnotist, mm -hmm. hypnotherapist, I guess, is what he would call himself. Yep. He is a hypnotherapist. That is clear. Uh, and I, I want to point out something about the show, which is, and it's, and I'm, again, really interested to see how this develops in season five. But there was a continuing theme that I'm sure isn't inherited from the books, because the two books I've read had it, and the show really had it, where it is just as much about the criminal investigation as it is about the politics of being a cop and the department and what Carol is dealing with. Yes. And that is largely gone from season four. We had a bit of it with their boss who turned out to be a Freemason, right? But fundamentally, this has not been about Alex dealing with the establishment the way the show in many ways was about. You can say it's a show that's as much about Tony Hill figuring out these crimes. It is Carol negotiating the politics of working within the law enforcement establishment. And, and that's just not true anymore. No, and it's not. And that's partly because Alex is a, and I mean, it's very different character, a different character. And she yeah. is not driven. She is no. not. See, the thing that made Carol and Tony work together as a couple is. They each had monomania. Driven. Yeah. No, but more than driven. I, I think it is monomania. I think yeah. they each only have one thing in their life. Yes. You know? And Tony, it's this desire to understand the brain, and her, it's the desire to succeed as a cop. In a man's world. In a man's, especially in a man's world. To yeah, prove and, herself. Yes. And so you have those things. Yeah. Those two driving things, and they're definitely in the books. There, there's no question. Oh, absolutely. And they will continue to be, because I've read the later books, and now I'm going back and reading the earlier books. And it's all still in there. It's all still in there, even in the later books. Yeah, but I, it's like, you just got Kevin and Paula are still here, but, like, and they're really fun uh, continuing characters, but at the same time, you know, they're not, like, they're not being used to talk about the different kind of cops there are and the different things that drive other cops. And it's like, Kevin has been flattened out to an extent. Yeah. He, and it's not that I don't like the actor or the performer. It's just, there was a lot of shady stuff going on with Kevin, and... It was encouraged by Carol. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Um, yeah. It was, was encouraged yeah. by Carol because that's the only way you make it. And that's how she, she needs yeah. have to have someone as devious. And ultimately, Alex is not particularly devious. No. He's never going to have this on and off like this. This There's no sexual tension between. Alex yeah. and Tony that there was, I mean, that was clear. In oh, absolutely. Clear. That was, that was a huge part of their relationship. Yeah. And it, and it's, that's straight from the books as well. Oh yeah. Um, that it comes when he had a brain, when he had a brain tumor, he remembered their relationship. Yeah. yeah. You know, that wasn't accidental. No, it was very meaningful for the character. Yes, a relationship that didn't have. No, of course, didn't exist, but there's a reason that that's what his brain created because his fantasies became reality. Yeah. <laughs> and so what you're doing, though, here yeah. is you're create, creating a functional relationship. 
Much more, yes. A much more functional relationship um, at one point when she has to tell Tony that you understand you can no longer work here. Yeah. Oh, and I well, am that, sorry about that, right? That so, that happens, la- but that happens later. Let's not jump ahead, but you're right. Like, that is such a powerful scene. Yeah, and it's so, so different, and it makes you... And it's shattering for Tony... I think partially because had this happened with Carol, like it it would be this emotional thing between them. But at the end of the day, she's just like, I'm a cop. You work for me and you can't work for me anymore. Yeah. There is this distance that is so shattering to Tony. Well, in some ways, yes. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we get there. Why it happens. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) because... Alex ultimately ends a level of realism yeah. to the, to to the show. It. Yeah. Right. She's not, um, because she's not driven mm-hmm. to make it to the top and right. make those kinds of well, decisions like, that people have the, to make. Like yeah, the compromises. Oh. Yeah, exactly. The compromises. And what, what I love about it is the right from the first episode, you're like, at the end of the day, she's going home at five o'clock because she's got somewhere to be, you know? <laughs> got a son she's got she's got a son she's got to work out she's gonna be home at five o'clock i mean obviously i'm overstating it she does work late but you know that is part of her mindset in a way that it wasn't with carol who is literally a woman who would break up with any man who for the moment he decided to, to you know think of their relationship as being anything more than casual hookups she will break up with that man yeah like always and that again it's central to who carol was yeah i know it's and we'll it, learn more she is a very Alex. different character oh we will and she's a very different character yeah. and she is a fully rounded character it's just we haven't learned everything there is to say about her just yet no so all right you know so the guy is out of jail yes right uh, and tony is sure he did it and sure he's gonna do it again and wants to follow him and alex keeps saying you have to leave him alone You have to leave him alone because, and this is the twist, the guy is now saying, maybe I didn't do it. Yes. He's echoing now this whole business that the shrink, the the hypnotherapist said, whispered in Tony's ear. Yeah. That he... And he doesn't know who he really is and... Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't know who this person is and he's just been so fractured and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and he's like, I regressed him all the way back to his childhood and there's none of the bad stuff that would lead you to become a sexual psychopath. And yet the minute he commits the crimes and goes to jail, suddenly he's got all of these dark fantasies he can't stop telling me about. Well, where did these fantasies come from? I think maybe somebody put them in his head. Yep. And oh. this finally takes on this this whole business of of fake memory. Yeah. And here's the thing. Wow, this episode is very good about its treatment of this. Yeah, I mean it, no, and I mean you can just see how Tony starts to you know because mm-hmm. start starts to Believe it. At the beginning, I mean, he's constantly, he's going, no, this guy did it. This is the guy. Yep. And then you get uh, the reporter who goes Mm -hmm. to talk to our recent paroled person. Yep. 
And he starts to t- feed her all of this story. Piper, yep. her last name. Yep. Samantha Piper. And he starts to feed her this and she's got a, oh, wow. This is one hell of a story. Have I got a story here, right? Yeah. And she starts to push the questions. And then we see the tape of Tony's interrogation. Well, the funny thing is, is we only see part of the tape of the interrogation. Yeah. And that's because he had been interrogated for something like 20, 22 hours. Yeah. And you're going to say, if you've been a listener of this whole show without us, uh, sorry, along with us, you've been watching every episode, you're going to be like, did he interview criminals before he met Carol? You know what? Let's just say he did. Okay. This episode requires him to have, you know, gone to police stations and actually interviewed people and interrogated people and consulted with the cops before he met Carol. So let's just say that that happened and let's keep going. Okay. Yeah. Because in the, in the book, it actually, in the books, yes, Carol was not the first time that he did any of this. Exactly. But the show has kind of implied that she was. Yeah, and well, that the mermaid singing is where this all started. Well, and so no, here, here's what happens with the with the books. Yeah, with the books. It is that he in in it, it never is clear. The only reason he's brought into in with Brandon and Carol, like her boss yeah. or her boss's her boss, yeah, um, is because Tony is setting up is the head of this task force that has been put together to see whether profiling will be useless. So profiling has been around before and has been in cases before. And he's going to be testing it. And so he's going to be testing it. That's because Brandon is the boss and he knows that he's got a serial killer on his hands. His boss refuses to accept that. Yeah, and the the skepticism yeah. of profiling is in that first episode. Yeah, and that and in a bunch happened, of that first season, right? And yeah. so there are some differences, but yeah, it it wouldn't preclude him already having, having worked on other in cases, on other consulted on other cases before Carol got. Yeah, there. because this is a case for York. Yeah. Okay, this is a case from York. This is not a case from Bradford. Exactly. Right. That Tony, that Tony obviously consulted on, consulted on, and it's not out of, even though. And and that's the thing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel implausible the way the show, technically this hasn't been mentioned and the way it was framed in the first season really did make it seem like he had only been in like interviewing criminals after they were already jail in jail up until this point. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that was and what it says is that that was his predominant, but it didn't preclude in the book. Exactly. Whereas and so we're just allowing I mean, I just say it. This episode is so good. We're just letting them cheat a little like that's how good this episode. Well, Yes, it only feels in the in the uh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Like like sort of. um, Yes, because there was always this. And even Alex, though, makes sort of some comment that for the most part, he did stuff in the hospitals right exactly yeah he did therapy yeah and i mean they address it here that it is unusual but it's like uh this is this is a contradiction with yeah this is a contradiction and they full-on say that this is like the first guy that he got to confess to a crime 
Yep. They go so far as to say that, to like to make you understand the weight and the significance of this. Because it's like they know they're pulling a fast one, so they do everything, but they had this story they needed to tell, and they do everything necessary to make you say, okay, I'm going to let you get away with that. Yeah, I'm going to let you get away with that one. And yes, yeah, so it was his first case, and you're looking at it, but it was a lengthy, lengthy interviews he did yeah. more than one day he didn't do yeah he did 24 hours of interviews with this man yeah, and right. it's not all on tape yeah and all we're seeing is this one and you watch it and well yeah it is and you it does alex. look like he's feeding him yeah. yeah it looks like i mean alex is watching just this part of it yeah you understand why she could find it plausible well yeah because we as the audience wonder because you exactly. wonder when you're watching him talking and then at one point he whispers to the guy while he's looking up at the camera. Yeah. You know, we never know what he whispered to the guy. But it came right after Tony's statement because he was trying to get in the the guy's headspace because the guy is a rapist. Right. And he went down this this rabbit hole of misogyny. And, you know, it's like the natural order is men taking what they want and women being subservient. And so whatever he said, like he's saying this horrible stuff to this guy. And so you could imagine and that lets us imagine whatever he said when he whispered in his ear is that much worse if that's the stuff we heard him saying. And then what we also know is that so then because it's blown up in the paper. They, yeah. they bring the guy in and they say, okay, we have to do it. They talk about it before and they say, we've got to do a DNA test. That's the one way to make sure. And then, right, the DNA test turns out. Ah, but they don't do the DNA test until after the second murder. Okay, so there's another murder. Yeah, there's another murder. And so while the newspaper stuff and while Tony is stressed, there is another murder that is exactly this guy's MO. Yeah. Raped beaten same things written on the body in lipstick we're not going to get into it but you know he hates women let's leave it at that yes so it's the same thing and tony's like he did it yes he did it this is him right he did it this is him but then there the uh then it turns out his doctor shows up <laughs> saying he called me last night and had me come with him from 8 p.m till 2 a.m we sat there and we did therapy and I taped it. Yeah. I taped five hours of it. I taped five hours of therapy, you know, for, for the book I'm writing about this guy. Yeah. You know, just to let you know who this doctor is, right? And for the book and, I'm writing. Yeah. And so Tony says, we want to camp. We want the tape. And he's like, well, if, if he lets me. And, but Tony says, but aren't you writing a book about him? Nope. <laughs> and he's like, well, oh. I anonymize everything. I, I am very careful about privacy. Yeah, bullshit. Bullsh I know, right? Yeah, Ugh. bullshit. You you know, everybody will know who he's, who he's based on. Of course, everyone's public. And that's, but I mean, this guy is an attention seeker. He's a fame seeker. Like we're, again, the, the portrayal of this man is very, very dark and very, very skeptical yeah. about the whole field of psychology and exploitative psychology for profit. Yeah. You know, and again, it's something Tony has been blamed for um, and who and accused of doing in the past. So like this guy is and the interesting thing is this guy is po posted as a dark version of Tony, as what an yes. unrestrained fame obsessed version of Tony would be. Yes. But there's been another murder and there's a question of whether they're going to be able to get the 
tape of this thing that proves the guy's alibi. Yeah. Here's where it gets interesting, though. At the same time, Tony has just been invited to a 20th anniversary of his graduating class of his medical school. Yeah. And so we see him go and we see him reconnect with this woman there who never really dated him. But, you know, they kind of liked each other well enough back then. Well, except they hooked up. They, they hooked, hooked up. Then it never became serious because yeah. Tony wasn't ready for a serious relationship. Spoiler alert. He's still not. Uh, well, yeah, but he, he, he does. Never mind. Let, let's. But yes. Yeah. yeah let, let's get into this part. And by the way, it ain't accidental that they cast a woman who looks like Carol. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly it. Looks Look. so much like Carol. So this was his probably first serious. Um, yeah. The school relationship, yeah. Yeah, because Carol, because ultimately it's Carol looks like this woman. Exactly, is how they they want us to read it. Yeah, that's how. That Carol reminds right. him of this woman. Yeah, and so this is obviously, it was an important woman in his life. Yeah. Right, so they, so you've got that going on, right? He's going to go, and then you have, um, but... So, okay, and I just watched it. Now I'm thinking, chronology, <laughs> chronology rise. Okay, so when do they decide they have to do the DNA check? Well, because the guy hasn't given his uh, alibi yet. And so they do, so it forces them to go and do a, a DNA test because they've got semen from the dead body, right? And they've got his on file, so let's, let's just do a test. And well, so they go and they, they go do and, No, because they do have the confrontation. The discussion with the guy and his doctor about doing the DNA test, because no, they do know that this doctor has given the out. No, the doctor has given the alibi first, but Tony doesn't believe it. He doesn't know how yes. he can get around it. And they're not seeing the tapes and they. Yeah, they Carol demand the says, DNA. OK, then let's, let's do a, do DNA, a test. DNA test. Yeah, that's no, but I'm works. saying they're basing the DNA test off of. Uh, they're basing the DNA test. I'm trying to remember, are they basing the DNA test on DNA that they have from? Oh, from the original. Yes, from... they take his blood now. Because yeah, I I forgot that there's no DNA. They're right. There's no DNA in this version because Tony says he learned from last time not to leave any DNA. Yeah. Right. So he must um, be shaving himself completely. Shaving himself completely and wearing a uh, and wearing the same stocking on his head to uh, well keep the hair from <laughs> to keep the hair in that he then strang then he and then he strangles the women with the stockings as well. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, of course, is they didn't because it was back then, ten years ago. They don't have a DNA sample from him in the past, so they get a DNA. No, sample no, now. no, no, no. They have a DNA. Oh no, yes, from from you're right. From the he didn't leave on the new just, one. I'm saying it backwards. Yeah. So they take a DNA sample from him now. Well, yeah. And, and it's a real fuss. And, and the guy says, well, do I need a lawyer? And, and and he's, you know, and he needs a, he wants his shrink in there with him. And uh, the shrink, of course, is always defending him. And he's he's saying, well, I don't know if I should give a DNA test. And they're saying, well, yeah, what have you got to lose? You say you're innocent. And yeah, so, so he gets he the agrees. DNA. So he does the DNA test. And it doesn't match the original victim. Yeah. And in the meantime, he's had, he's gone to the party with the, the reunion with the, with this, with the woman friend. from his past. And yep. then they go back to her play or her hotel room because she yep. has to be in. Bradford. She doesn't live in Bradfield or, uh, or York. Yeah. yeah. No, Bradfield. 
Yeah, she doesn't live in the area. Yeah, she doesn't live in the area. So off they go. He, he goes back to the hotel room and they're trying to have sex. And he keeps flashing to all these other jocks. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he, he, he can't even kiss her without flashing. thinking about victims and thinking about yeah. Alex and, and thinking about, anything, yeah. As we find out because he wakes yeah. up in the morning. Yeah. And, um, and then. You know, he opens up her briefcase and, and sees she's got, she's obsessed with him. Yeah, she's been stalking him. Basic. And yeah, and so he has to get, uh, he has to get Alex to look into her if she's got a criminal record. And we find out that she's been, just has this history of stalking men. Like, uh, she never, anytime a relationship turns sour, she immediately turns to stalking. Oh yeah, and the, and the new girlfriend or whatever, like her ex-husband. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Comes after the new girlfriend of her ex-husband. Like she's just, she's a mess. Yes. She's a mess. Right. Yeah. But then, but when Tony gets up, when Tony goes, and then Tony goes back to this, the university and he's in Mm -hmm. his office and he's fine, sort of, you know, (laughs) uh, except that it turns out Somebody brings in the newspaper and the and the DNA test has cleared him of the original murder of the original murder. And that sends Tony into a spiral. Yeah. I mean, and he yeah. And he immediately and what I love is him like him assuming his brain tumor has come back. But what happens, too, is is that Alex has given him the the tape. He doesn't listen to it right away. No. Right. Alex has given him the tape of because the guy has agreed yeah. to allow the tape to be given to the police. Yeah, he finally agrees to it because yeah. he's like, uh, now, you know, I didn't commit the original. I'm going to prove I didn't commit the new one. Here's the tape of my five hour. Inve- and like, it's uh, also going to prove that Tony Hill put these ideas into his head. That's why he's going to allow the tape. Yep. Because now that it turns out he did. Yeah, but it's a rock solid alibi and it's going to prove that Tony, he was manipulated by Tony. Yeah. And it's like how all any. And so we start listening to the fantasies he had about how he wanted to torture women and how he chose women and how women like just presented themselves. And he and he phrases them as if they are intruding thoughts. Yes. You know, yeah. there's like stuff that's coming from nowhere. And I don't know where this came from. And Tony's listening to it yeah. and it bothers him because he's like, did I create this man? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, did I turn him into a monster? Yeah, It's definitely when he finally, when he finally listens to it. And, yeah. and of course, Alex had, okay, but he only listens to it after Alex has said, look, we can't work together anymore Yeah, because you understand. And Tony, of course, understands. Yeah. Right? That that there's a serious question here. He understands. Because if the DNA doesn't match. Then Tony did. Then A, he didn't do the original one. And maybe Tony turned him into a murderer. Yeah. And Except out. now it looks like he didn't do the new one either. And this really just okay, baffles here's Tony. The pro- here's, here's the big problem. Is that yeah. it is the York Police Department... They did not test the DNA that they had from the victim against the killer. Yeah. See, this is this was the problem. If back in the day, because they got a confession. Because they got a confession, confession, so they never So they didn't bother testing it back then. Yeah. Yeah. And if they 
They- yes. Yeah, so now. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get to what would have happened if they had back in the day. So it's definitely York's. Yeah. Uh, it's York's fault. It is York's fault, fault. That, yeah. that that DNA wasn't tested. And then Tony goes back home and decides he's going to listen to the tape. He's listening to the tape. He keeps listening to the tape. There's something wrong with it. He's not quite figuring out what's wrong with it. Yeah. And, and what I love is that there's some part of Tony, right? Yeah. And like, because he wants to, like, right. There's, there's a thing that is nagging him. Yeah. That is like all, all the way in there. Right. Even before he starts listening to tape, yes. which is if he didn't do the original crime, how can he like, and he wants me to believe that I turned him into a monster by putting this in his head. But he also is saying he didn't commit the present day crime that exactly matches the M.O. of the original crime. And it's preposterous because that would have to mean the original killer came back or someone else is doing it. Or like maybe his doctor is doing it. But the problem is the doctor also has an alibi. Yeah, that he was with this guy, right? And, and not only that, but then Tony. It just doesn't. And then make Tony sense. remembers that the yeah. guy said, "Well, it all of this started after he had been treated and he had been sick." Yeah. And Tony tries mm-hmm. to find out what he was treated he was for, with. and nobody will tell him. And he brings because this it's up with patient confidentiality. Yeah, and he brings this up with Alex, and Alex just kind of the DNA is definitive and lets it and doesn't yeah. bother. We him. can't get a license to look into this, like. He's got a, an ironclad alibi. The DNA is definitive. He couldn't have done it. So we're not going to be able to get a warrant to look into his medical right. records. So there's no way. So Tony goes back finally and listens to the tape through and has. But has he is able to find out that the guy was on sleeping pills. Yes. He does manage to find out that the guy got sleeping pills. So that is something. Yes. And a sleeping pill that has her hypnol in it. There yeah, has that is a flunitrazepam. Yeah, yeah, as Ezra Hypno. So, yeah. um, okay, because he hadn't been sleeping well. well yeah, anyway. ever since this, ever since this procedure he had, that Tony isn't able to find out what the procedure yeah, was. Yeah, and so, okay, <laughs> this is where it gets good. And then Tony, well, Tony then has a massive collapse. Yeah. A massive headache and a collapse. He's been listening to this tape. He kind of figures there's something wrong with it. And he's... I know, but you're forgetting that the, the suicide happens before this. He tells the woman he can't see her anymore. Yes, and she commits suicide. And she commits suicide. And that's right before he's listening to the tape and has the Okay, wait down. a minute. Okay, yes. Okay, then we have to go back because Alex says... Yeah, but she was in this place when that murder happened. She was in Bradford when that murder happened. Could she have been yeah, doing Yeah, so this? they actually talked to her. And then Tony yeah. talks to her and says, look, I, I'm in the same position I was in when we were in university. I am. I still can't commit. I am unavailable. It can't. I work. can't have a relationship. And that's all. And yeah. It. She, he goes to talk to her to try and resolve this kind of thing. And they can still be friends. But she has already cut her wrists in the shower. And it's, and it's so deep that... Uh, it's too late. It's too it's just too nice. late. Yeah. And this is like, so you add this, and then the next thing we see is him just obsessing over this tape and listening to the tape. Again and, and again like, and again and again. 
trying to figure out what's bothering him and like uh, trying to solve one thing this week, trying to have one thing not be a complete disaster this week. Yeah. These, yeah. So, and then he ends up with this blinding headache. He, pa- you know, he almost passes out and he takes mm-hmm. himself like a good, sensible person. Yep. Goes right to the hospital and says, I think my tumor's back. I think my tumor's back. And I do not think that that is as problematic as you make it sound because it's not, it, yeah. it is, it is, you know, it is a rational thing for him to do because, but my, the age, reason, I, yeah, right? go. he's been having these suicide dreams. He yeah, always wakes he up. Right. But he's been having these suicide dreams and everything is going wrong. And he's having these, like when he was trying to have sex with Karen, I guess it's, was yeah. her name and something like that bernard and he's he he keeps having these visions of other things right he's hallucinating mm-hmm. so it is to some extent logical reasonable for him to think that yes i see good idea and reasonable for him to go to the hospital yeah it is okay so and, mm-hmm. and he's in like i oh god i mean it's it's like some of the saints some of these other people who have horrible migraines and then they have all of these religious vision, re- religious visions yeah, and experiences, visions about the things that are in your head. So he's yeah. in the hospital and he's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Cause he's going to be a priority at some, yeah. you know, reasonably because he had the brain tumor. This, he goes to the same hospital where he had the brain tumor removed. So, but he's sitting and he hears all of this. It's raining. It's, pouring rain and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. he goes oh shit that's what the thing is and he then calls alex and says you've got to listen to the tape there and this is great this is fantastic this is such a good i figured it out yeah i figured it out there's water there's something wrong with the tape because there's a fountain in the doctor's office and you can hear the water the fountain in the background, and then it's not there. Every time the doctor speaks, it's not there. there's a fountain playing, and every time the guy is speaking, the fountain isn't there. And oh. what he realizes is, yeah, no, what he realizes is, the guy sat there on his own and recorded five hours of himself having fantasies, and then he took a tape he made of the doctor in his office with the doctor just saying, you know, random, mm-hmm, tell me more. That's interesting. And then he just cut in the that's interesting things. Yeah. It's such a good, it's such a good trick because this doctor, you know, is so, is such a hands-off kind of guy and such a, you know, Im- so impressed with himself that he would listen to five hours of him just saying, that's very interesting. Tell me more. And think, yep, I'm doing a great job there. Well, here's, no, but here's the point. Is that the doctor was in his house, though. He was, but he had been roofied. Okay, yes. But we find out much later that he'd been roofied. So Alex, so he gets that. And then they call Tony. Tony's at the hospital. Alex doesn't know where he is. But he tells her she's got to go and got to go back to his house, get the tape because it's at his house. And they can listen to it for themselves. And, And then what we've sort of missed is that... Well, we were about to say that while he's dealing with the situation with the woman who's uh, in the hospital, yes, 
the reporter has actually figured out something really interesting. She talked to the parents of the latest victim and she discovered that in an amazing coincidence that the victim had gone to the same therapist that the killer has to try and use his hypnosis to quit smoking. She's like, that's a big coincidence, isn't it? And right after she finds this out, she goes to see the doctor. She goes to see the doctor and confronts the doctor. And the doctor's like, well, I have plenty of, there's no reason to think that any of my patients would run into each other. This is just a complete coincidence. Why are you bringing this up? And so she immediately phones Tony to tell him about it. And while she's on the phone with him, she gets kidnapped by the killer. Yeah. And so trying to, is she leaving, trying to leave a message for, and she, and then because Alex has sent everybody to get these tapes, she gets this message from the, no, no, she gets. Oh yes. Yeah. She gets the message from his house. She, and then there's the message. She hears the message and figures out that it's about the hypnosis. And then she sends everybody out looking for her. And they can't yeah. find her anywhere. In the meantime, Tony has been called. Like that's sort of happening after Tony is now on his way into to get the MRI machine. Yeah. So he cannot be contacted. Okay. So he can't be contacted. She can't talk to him or anything. He's moving his way into. And as he's being wheeled into the MRI room, he keeps having a vision of this little boy that we saw. When he had his yep. brain tumor. I remember. The little, the little boy with leukemia. Yeah, the little boy with leukemia. And he sees him two or three times, and then they put him in the MRI machine. And, of course, Tony does his thing of talking to himself. And they yep. keep telling him to keep his mother. Well, why am I saying? Well, what did this boy have? Well, oh, that's it. And then he screams. <laughs> he, he figures it out, and it's so brilliant. It's brilliant. He figures it out, and he says, I have to get out of this. MRI right now. I have to call the cops right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then he t- starts telling Alex, no, what's probably the case is that this killer yeah. had cancer. Yep. He had and he had a bone marrow transplant. And then, and then yeah. Alex is going, well, what does that have to do with anything? Everybody gets cancer. No, 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 no. He had a bone marrow transfer. That's going to change his DNA. And then yep. they, because the blood you're making. And he has the doctor it... there. He has yeah. the doctor there who says, oh, yeah. Yeah, that no, that, that happened. happened right? <laughs> it confirmed immediately. Like, like Tony is there and then he explains something else to Alex. And then the doctor says, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah to yeah. Alex. Right. Oh. And then Tony goes in for his MRI. Right. And, and then, of course, Kevin and Paula are searching this guy's house for yep. the the drug right yep. and the they find it and the drugs and the drugs from his uh his chemotherapy drugs chemotherapy well. drugs right they so they're able to confirm it without having to get his uh without ever they find the flunitrazepam they find the chemo drugs and they're like oh my god yeah this is uh this is it's been confirmed they don't need his okay, medical records anymore they've got they it. don't find the chemo the the anti the the anti-rejection the anti, the yeah the anti-rejection drugs right away they do find yeah. the rohypnol drug yes okay that will cause a loss and they confront the doctor with the fact that he had a did you have a bad head like did you have a bad headache that night and when you woke up the next morning he's like yeah i did have a weird hangover 
after I went with that guy. And then, like, boom, okay, everything's confirmed. And he can't believe, of course, that he'd been drugged. Yeah, because he's so arrogant. Yeah, he's so arrogant. But it turns out, yes, he'd been drugged. And, of course, he has amnesia, so he has absolutely no idea what went on during that five hours. But he's heard the tape, and so he assumes, like, oh, well, I can hear myself on the tape. And so he fills in his memory, his lack of a memory, with the tape he's got of himself. And it turns out, oh, but the doctor then does realize, though, that, oh, no, this this patient had been there at the same time as... as Yeah. Samantha Piper. No, no. No, no, not the killer. Yes, the patient. The killer had been there at the same time that the reporter came to see him. So he must have been, uh, must have heard, overheard it and abducted him. Yeah. And then got into her car. And as she's trying to explain it to Tony. On the call, gets abducted. So, yeah. But thank heavens, while Paula and (laughs) Kevin are out at the place where he dumped the previous victims. They managed to see his uh, car van going out there and they managed to run it off the road. And the reporter does get rescued. Yes. And the reporter gets rescued and the criminal gets burned, burned to death. He hits a telephone pole that because they're chasing him and he's trying to get away and runs off the road, hits a telephone and the and he burns to death and they only have time to save her and the problem is and this is the oh thing, and then, ah, the problem is this means they're not going to be able to check his body and confirm that the bone marrow transplant created the dna thing well, so they're not going to be able to be 100 okay, percent sure alex says, that he killed the original a- alex says to him so did you kill so and so and did you so and so and yeah. and he just looks and says, "Ask Tony." Yes, right. It oh, leaves us sitting there because they haven't found the anti-rejection drugs yet. No, no, they. Okay, haven't. you have to understand. So she tells this to Tony. So Tony yeah. is even more depressed because she says, "Well, what happened at the hospital?" Well, it turns out I only. Had I'm completely fine. I had yeah. a. I have I have the worst migraine they've ever heard of, but no, it's not a tumor. No, I don't have another t- My tumor hasn't come back. Yeah. So, yeah. Tony, of course, is very depressed. And when they finally find the anti-rejection drugs, but Tony is having, you know, is having this, this thing about, you know, it's still, yeah. did he misread everything? Did he actually make, turn this guy into this killer? Was this guy actually not originally a killer and he turned him Yeah, into- and, and Tony's got all these self-doubts and he's been having these dreams anyway before yeah. this ever happened. He's So he heads up onto the he roof. He gets up onto the roof and Alex comes to talk to him. You know, I mean, Alex figures out, well, she's going to go and tell him. She goes to see him in the hospital and tell him about the anti-rejection drugs. No, she... No, oh, she doesn't tell him until till he's he's at the. No, but she's going yeah. to. That's why she's at the hospital, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, she's going to tell him yeah. that they found the anti-rejection drugs and that yes, the guy what did do it, and yeah. uh, Tony was right all along. And Tony's not there, and he's up on the roof, and she goes up. What are you doing here? And yeah. oh. you know, so basically, Tony says, "This is the dream," and I mean, he's. He doesn't probably really want to commit suicide, but 
you know, yeah. and Alex, and he says that it's only Alex's voice in his dream. He tells her about his dream and about the voice mm-hmm. that he hears, which we'd heard at the beginning. And it's her voice. And yeah. she says to him, well, Tony, you, you can't do this. I need you. And, yeah. and um, she manages to walk him down. Basically, yep. that's all she needs to say. He gets back down. And herein ended the lesson, right? That Tony definitely yeah. got problems. And we're seeing you now oh. arising. But just the horror that they're, because the body burned to a crisp, they'll never be able to know for sure whether he committed the original uh, crime. Because, yeah, they've got the, no, they've got the anti-rejection drugs. But the fact is... That doesn't, uh, well, what do you call it? That doesn't change. They can go um, back. No, because somebody said, if you do go back far enough, you can get the original DNA. Plus, they can figure out, they can get the DNA from the bone marrow donor. So they can. Yes, they could. You're right. They uh, like, But the, but the, mo- the problem is, the like, if his body thought. hadn't burned, the had his body burned, right? Uh, because his body burned, they can't just like, take DNA out of his tooth because the DNA in your tooth is your original DNA. You know, uh, it's well, original DNA. It doesn't get affected by the bone marrow transplant. Well, no, it is. That's how it works. Cause your, no, tooth, no, uh, saying, your teeth are the thing. I'm saying we don't know whether or not there were any teeth. Cause they, they, well, no, but that's the implication of the scene. Yes. They don't explain it. I'm saying that's the implication yeah, of the, the impl- scene is that they're not going to be able to know for sure. And yes, mechanically, they are going to be able to go and check, with the bone marrow donor to see if that's the bone marrow that they're in. Uh, and they're going to be able to get the killer's parents and or brothers or whatever and do it. There's all sorts of things they could do. But the point is, just knowing that the guy did get, uh, did have leukemia and did have a bone marrow transplant isn't enough to make Tony be 100% certain in oh, this is that's Tony, yes. Tony is not yes. operating. Something going yeah. on. Yes. Like there is this crushing self-doubt and there is the idea that this horrible realization that he could have caused the very thing, right? That he has spent all of this time trying to study and understand. He's like, am I making the world worse? And at the end of the day, right, you can say that the the psychology he uses to catch these people, understand these people did lead to another murder because the guy went and he's like, Tony forced me to confess. Tony forced me to reveal myself. I'm going to learn all of Tony's tricks and I'm going to use them to get out of jail. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yes, the psychology did create the next set of crimes, even though it wasn't in the way Tony feared it. Yeah. Had. So yeah, there's no, there's no easy way out of this for Tony, even now that they found out about the bone marrow transplant. Even after they found that they've had that confirmed, that's still not an easy way out of the fact that Tony is haunted by what this means for the thing he's devoted and the his funny life to. And that's why it's such a yes. powerful. No, no, and that is exactly it. Because if only if Tony had remained this guy's psychiatrist after he'd he'd been a psychologist after he'd been incarcerated, it would have been a whole yeah. different thing. But I'm sure this guy would have refused to have had Tony as his. Yeah. Therapist. Because he didn't want to get yeah, back. and and it was funny because even th- this this is going to screw up the uh, the bad side, hypnotherapist because of course the hypnotherapist was saying how this guy is very hip- hypnotizable. Well, clearly he wasn't. Yeah. Nope. He just 
pretended like to be hypnotized yeah. and create a yep, whole world. To be they don't discuss that, yeah. but you know that's exactly what happened. And this guy says, "Oh, oh yeah, no, he's he was very, very he's a one." Yeah, he he is essentially saying that this guy is like the most suggestible person possible, and very, this is what ter- personality. Type. And he's yes. not very, and that that is. Yes, and that is what has allowed Tony to create yes. this monster in yeah. his head. You know, and yeah, it, no, th- no. that comes up right at during the during. Oh, it is quite an attack, and it's interesting because it's like the whole episode is an attack on the whole creating false memories yeah. thing, without the episode actually being about yeah. that. It's because Tony did not create no, any false. He memories didn't. It was it was the criminal who was smart enough to create false. This completely false version of his yeah. past that he sells the therapist yeah. on. No, it's good. It's, good, and, it's a good, good episode. And I just love uh, what I, I like that the ther- that the um the reporter and we didn't talk about the scene where the reporter goes to visit yeah. him at the visit the killer and ask him if he wants to sell his story and do all that. And what I loved about it is. That there's this little thing that's like all the psychology, all this expertise, all the greatness of the story she wants to write. She keeps looking into the new murder because she finds the guy so personally creepy. Because he's so, like, he's so bad with women and he so can't get over his ingrained misogyny that she finds him incredibly creepy. And that's why she keeps getting into it. So it's like all of this psychology, all the way he fooled this parole board. But it's like you put in a room, him in a room with a woman he's attracted to, and he can't not be creepy. That's exactly it. And that's why she keeps looking into it and solves the case and almost gets killed. Like it's it's just such this minor. I mean, we didn't mention it because it's such a minor scene, and it's not about the Tony thing. But it's like that's there's that part to it. How much like this guy can this guy can spend these years preparing himself? Cannot right? But he can't control the yeah. urge inside of him. All of that has been to make it so he can let the urge out. He has done no work on himself. He has created a facade so that he can let himself out later. But he has done no work on understanding because he has pretended to not have any of these urges. To, because he's pretending it's all he has had spent these this decade doing no work on himself and figuring out why he is the way he is that would allow him to control himself. So when he's in a room alone with the reporter, he's still incredibly creepy. And when he was in the waiting room alone with that woman he murdered, he fixated her on the same way he always did. You know, because in all this time, he spent so much time learning to hide that it's like, the monster that was in you just got worse and worse. Well, and he, yes, and that's exactly it. And it's why so many of these people cannot ever be let out. Yeah. No, I, I don't think out. any of them can ever be let out. Well, no, because I mean, it's so ingrained. Again, you don't. It's so ingrained. The the stuff is down so yeah. deep it so that deep. it's like what you have to understand. And this is why we needed profilers in the first place, because if you you listen to the stories of the early profiles, yeah. right, one of the most fascinating things about why they were so necessary is, like, you would have these court cases with a serial rapist or a serial killer, and they could not explain yeah. motive. Because everyone, when you were putting together a case, right, uh, you have to explain why the person did a thing or the jury might get yeah. confused. 
And what they had to, and the problem is when you had a guy like Robert Hansen, who, because it's like, if a guy is a brutal monster who is barely literate, you don't understand, oh yeah, well, of course he would kidnap and rape a woman and cut her up because he's, he's just a monstrous thing. It helps if he's not white for the jury because America's racist as hell. But it's like when you had someone like Robert Hansen, you had this woman who he kidnapped and raped and tortured come to the cops and describe his basement and blah, 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 and be like this. And the cops couldn't understand that this guy who ran a successful business and had a wife and kids and, you know, wore a nice suit and talked in full sentences and was white, how he could be this monster. And at that time, you needed profilers to be able to go in court and say, sexual violence is his sexual orientation. You know how you're into redheads? You know how you like chubby women? You know how you like so? The thing he's into is yeah. death. The thing he's into is pain. And you needed profilers to explain that to people. Yeah. Right? But we don't, like, that. that is what they were for. And now we've got into this, this myth of profilers being able to completely understand and catch criminals. And it's just not true. But you needed them to be able to explain the deviant sexual mind. You know? And that is what's so fascinating. Because you've got this guy. And at the same time as you've got this guy with as bad a deviant sexual mind as anyone has ever seen, you've got this guy, this bad therapist trying to say, oh no, that was all just put in his head. <laughs> you know, because it's the best and the worst of psychology, right? Because you have Tony, who has spent his whole life trying to understand the deviant sexual mind, and understand these people, and telling this guy exactly what it is, and then you've got the other side of it, who's just like, no, it's all just, it's all just a play. It's all just that was just put in his head. Like, this episode has so much to say about therapy. Yeah. Well, you know, that ultimately the show does. And that yeah. it is, oh, it's so, so hard. And the, and the solution is just, like, the solution is people should involve themselves right at the beginning with bad childbearing. <laughs> but how do you involve yeah. yourself? Because... Even that is because we all have our own demons, or yeah. most of us have yeah. our own demons of one sort or another. Most of them are not like this. Most of them are, yeah. are little quirks and, and things like that. And mm -hmm. But it still gives you blinkers. Like Alex, the reason Alex needs Tony is Alex's life, even after we start to find out more about her in the next two seasons, um, is still yeah. reasonably, reasonably positive. Uh, yeah, I was going to say vanilla. vanilla. Yeah, okay, okay. vanilla. Yeah. Okay. If we want to use the, know, yes. the world of BDSM conversation because of, you know, Tony yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, and it it, it is, um, it is interesting, right? It's very, very yeah. interesting that she's, and so, therefore, she needs someone to explain some of this stuff to her because she can't even fathom it. And most people yeah. cannot. It limits her imagination. Yes. Well, yeah, and thank God. And most people would be better if yeah. they had relatively vanilla. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's the sexual yeah. abuse that is the, is the killer. That that just yep. is the it completely affects the world. It's, it's the warper. It's the intrusion into the body 
and mm -hmm. an unwanted intrusion into the body because the body that is paired with the way that person got you to, you know, uh, the way that person specifically victimized you to set you up to be able to do that to you, then creates these brain pathways associated with this sexual violence and in many people, sex yeah. entirely. And it is, and it is, and I mean, the, the quirks, I mean, okay, there are the little quirks and you, you know, yeah. and what they call fetishes, right? And those are mm -hmm. the little things. And, and they yeah. are relatively often, they are relatively harmless. Well, it's not, it is not bad to describe it the same way you do as a tumor, benign yeah. and malignant. Like a fetish, you know, not wanting to be tied up is a benign fetish. Not wanting to tie people up uh, who don't want to be tied up is a malignant fetish. They're both in the realm of bondage. One of them is serial killer stuff. One of them is just stuff you deal with as part of your internal sexual yeah. identity. But it's like, they're both things that can happen with this kind of, like, when your brain is being affected well, around you, when your brain is being developed around yeah, your Yeah, and the problem is, is that your brain is always being developed, is always developing. So, and your brain is always, yeah. so it's not like your brain can't... Uh, yeah. No, it's not like your brain can't. And like, I'm not saying that there are easy uh, answers for he healthy sexual development. There mm -hmm. aren't. Like, the problem is, like, it is really hard. The medical ethics prevent you from taking 500 kids and exposing them to various sexual things when they're young to see how they develop. All we can do is look at people who are, you know, who have fetishes in different ways and then delve into their past and try and figure out what happened to try and unlock mm -hmm. brain development. Because we are still so... up. Yes, the sexual elements of brain development. You can't do that to children. So you can't see... You can't Skinner box sexual mm -hmm. development. You like, shouldn't uh, Skinner box uh, Ergo, we, all, we have to... Well, no, you can't Skinner box any children, obviously. <laughs> no, you... Well, yes, people do, and it's disgusting, but you shouldn't. But it's like, absolutely, you have to get as far away as possible from sexual development in the Skinner box uh -huh. theories. And so we end up with a situation where we have to try and reverse figure out how fetishes development and how paraphilia, the technical term for fetish is paraphilia, by the way. It is, you know, uh, <laughs> it is a romantic obsession with something not directly related to sex. There you go. Paraphilia. Yeah, uh, we keep using fetish, which is, you know, the commonly used term. But if you're talking about science, it's the study of paraphilias. And paraphilia, you know, goes from from liking high heels to serial killer stuff. It's all paraphilia. Torture and murder is a paraphilia because it is a sexual obsession not related yep. to sex. It doesn't and help yeah, to say it's so just it's, power. All yeah, no, it's, not it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined. It, it, it absolutely like, is. Uh -oh. Because it is. And you're right to say that it doesn't have to do with sex. And you can, because people want to say it doesn't have to do with the fact that you were horny or sexually attracted to someone. And it's like, well, you were sexually attracted to the idea of cutting out that person's yeah. tongue. So, yes, it is about sex. It's just about sex in a way that we don't understand. <laughs> Thank God. But. <laughs> Thank God. And 
right? Uh, thank but God we it... don't understand it. But it's like, but and then we get into the whole other conversation of rape as a weapon. Yeah, that's war, a whole difference. Which that is an entirely different conversation yeah. from serial. And but it, it's related, but it's a totally different conversation. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, all of this stuff is very disturbing. All... And we have all, both read way too much about. And it. I'm just, I'm still haven't bought Ann Burgess's book. Um, Which one? Oh no, no. I mean, she she was she was the second. Yeah. Well, no, I know who Ann well, Burgess just, is. I mean, oh, we've we, we've talked about her extensively in, <laughs> when we were talking about. A couple of years uh, ago, came out. Yeah, when we were talking about Mindhunter, we talked yeah. extensively so about. So I Ann will. Burgess. And how despicable it is the way Ann Burgess was written out of the book Mindhunter. Yes. <laughs> and his early experiences, and Robert Ressler was a little yeah. better about it, but. Yeah, they those men really wanted to leave her out of the story. And one of the best things the show's did, we didn't like its treatment of her character, but the show did a good job of writing her back into yeah. the story of profiling. Yeah, but you haven't read her book yet? This yeah, I no, I haven't I haven't I haven't Kindleized it. I haven't taken it down on yeah. Kindle and I'm debating whether or not to buy the hard copy, but I'll... I'm interested too, and it's like I don't have an excuse for not no. reading it, so you know, I'm Not just going to have to get to it. Well, it's, yeah. it's never mind. Life, life. I don't know if life is easing off <laughs> a little bit, but I think it, I think Hopefully. it is. So, you know, I'll get back yeah. to all of the, that reading and stuff like that. But it's like this episode in the same way that last week's episode touched on stuff that's incredibly close to us, right? With all of the religious obsession and the dangers of the way suicidal people desperate for anything, justification, go and living become the prey of religious mania, right? Of like, people are like, how can you get 200 people to kill themselves? Because they were people who were going to kill themselves if they hadn't found the religion in the mm -hmm. first place. <laughs> like the suicidal are where cult leaders hunt. You know, people who have been pushed to the brink. That's where cult leaders hunt, right? And then, of course, we have that whole other conversation about, you know, indoctrinating children from very young with uh, tying violence to religious ecstasy, <laughs> which is a whole other thing, which, thank God, does not happen as much today, but still exists. Uh, but yeah, but and then this week that the whole episode is about therapy and false confessions and false memories. It's like, it, it's like they made two episodes specifically for the stuff that we're most interested in. No wonder we love this show. Oh, it's, I mean, these are, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I think that these two back-to-back -back are the best episodes of Wire in the Blood so far. And I wonder, in the same way I said last week, are they going to keep it up next week? They did, and they may have topped last week. I would have to watch mm -hmm. them back-to-back. You know because it's like overall i would say that this is probably a better episode it's just the previous episode is more specifically attuned to my fascination with of, with yeah. religious mania and and me too but this episode i would argue is better because yeah clearer. i think it is it's cleaner it is it's easier to understand what happened when you get all the pieces together and i 100 yeah the last one is was well there i mean you would need so much more time with the victims and the the killer like you would need a whole 
season of television to explain how he, why he created a cult, how he put together a cult, you know, who mm-hmm. he is, you know, whereas it's like that, that episode was just dipping your toe in the world of religious mania. Whereas this is a full exploration of the dangers of bad therapy. Yeah. It's, it's a damn fine episode of yeah. television. And I don't mind saying it. And I, I will say that Tony's only problem is that Tony thinks he can do therapy on himself. <laughs> I know. That's it's interesting. Like we might want to, given just the, the therapy stuff, we might, we're going to do Cracker next. We might want to start talking about Hannibal at some point, because there is a degree to which Hannibal is both the story of the best and worst therapist in the world, mm-hmm. because he is such a good therapist for his patients who wants someone to give them permission to be serial killers. Yeah. He's a very good therapist of self-actualizing, but at the same time, he's the worst therapist in the world to Will Graham because it's the the whole show is the story about him taking this borderline personality man and turning him into someone who will fall in love with Hannibal Lecter the way Hannibal Lecter fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's a story about both the best and worst therapist in the world because you know like yeah he does he does help people become their best selves and then he turns will graham into his worst self serial killers i know it just so happens that they're all potential serial killers and their best selves is serial killing yeah well okay and you know you gotta be i know but if you choose someone who understands all of this and their motives are we could say impure. <laughs> it can go to some very dark places. It can go. And even when they think they want to help people and they just don't because they have blinders. Yeah. And it, it's always, everybody has blinders. And if mm-hmm. you don't have someone to call you on your blinders. Yeah. And you I think that's, I think that is a big part of it. Sure. I mean, there's, I, you have to have either friends who are willing to call you on your blind spots. Yep. Because we all have them. And, yep. or you need to be able to find a professional and actually listen to them. You need to find yeah. a competent professional and be willing to As do I the said, hard work of I, the proudest listening thing, to them. The proud, the thing that made me the proudest of Tony. As a fictional character, was that he actually did go to the hospital when he right came. away? Yeah, yeah. No, he Shows he can his listen. Fear of death. Yeah. Shows that he doesn't want to die. Yeah, fundamentally. Even standing there, right? Yeah. The fact that he went to the hospital means I do not want to die. I know, and I mean this is it's it's an well, incredible you've episode. You've got us. You're already seeing this this these poles. Within him, he had he is given to depression. Yeah. Whether we will ever find out, stay tuned for our discussion of the book. <laughs> yeah, where that comes from. Yeah. And like where him being a depressed child, the dark places it took him. Yeah. So we'll talk. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. We'll see what it gets to in the show. But the, the show. Uh, but this episode was really good. Yeah. Uh, I still can't believe. Oh, Tony, like, it's it's just weird that, like, the same character can be the guy who talks about how, you know, fundamentally, you know, it's like, no, I don't think every, uh, use the Riddler as an example of a guy who is not fully in control of his need to leave clues about his crimes. 
And that same guy is this guy. And yet the show makes you believe it. Yep. You know? Oh, it's so amazing. All right. So uh, that's going to be it for this week. I know this is going to sound crazy when I say it, but we're only like two weeks away from new episodes of Criminal Minds. Minus. So we're 12 days away. 12 days out. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, we're going to be watching it the night of, and we're going to try to, because it's airing Thursdays. So we're going to try to watch it the night of, record it the Friday morning, get the episode out Friday afternoon. I mean, we might not be able to pull it off. It might not be out till Saturday, but we are going to be try. We're going to try to be one hundred percent on top of the new Criminal Minds. Well, yes, because you never know if you have meetings on Friday. That's morning. the point. I yeah. don't know if I have meetings on Friday morning. I can't give I any details about my job, but it just so happens that the same week the Criminal Minds is starting, something huge is happening in my job. The same couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like I don't know, like I could be called at any hour of the day or night because like my job is both in Los Angeles and in London and in Canada. (laughs) So it's like my sleep schedule might be completely sacrificed the week that Criminal Minds is starting. Well, if we look, what's going to happen is the minute we see it, the minute we both manage to see it. We and and can find time, and it might be the Saturday, but we will upload it as soon as we have. As soon as it's done, we will get it up there. And if it looks like we're we're not going to be able to, then Saturday. Then Saturday, it is definitely going up. Yeah, we'll watch. And if there's a reason it isn't, there will be an episode up explaining why it's not. There will be a five minute note up explaining why it's not, and there will be a message on the website explaining why it's not. All right, so um, we will see you back here next week for season five, episode one of Wire in the Blood. Do we have a title for that? Uh, oh, I don't have it open. You didn't bring it up? Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's not an important I, I, part of the show. Well, I could. I could. Let me you see. You could. It. While I ramble about the other stuff. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We're going to be back here next week for more Wire in the Blood. And soon after that, new Criminal Minds, as crazy as that sounds. Like when we when we got finished Criminal Minds, we thought we were finished Criminal Minds. And they made us look like clowns. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm still not... Uh... You know, anyway. I know you're still not sold I'm until you excited. watch it. I'm excited about seeing it because it's here. But yeah. if it had never happened, I'm not sure I would have cried. Anyway, <laughs> I know. all the color of amber. The color of amber. All right. Well, join us back here for that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network. 